everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm so excited to have Dave Clayton on. And I'm also excited because it's Love on Designers. And if you don't know what that is, because you probably don't, but Kim Pinella and I started that this last year. Kim did this, this poster right here, this black with, it's like a chalk stuff. Anyway, she's an amazing letterer and illustrator. And she and I just wanted to just share the love last year. And I was on sabbatical, so I had a lot more time to be more creative and draw and do all kinds of fun stuff. And But I really did love it. It was a really great way for us to kind of love on other people. And this week's all about energizing other people. And I can't think of anybody better that I'd rather have kick off Love on Designers than Dave Clayton. Because oh. Dave is, uh, if you don't know Dave, as soon as you meet him, he is unassuming. He would never, you would never be like, um, he would always think that you were so important. And I think that that is such a lovely trait that you're never like, you know, it's Dave Clayton, but he doesn't make it seem like you're talking to anybody. Like you're just, just like you're talking to somebody in the line at the grocery store or something. And it, he just doesn't, his, he, his ego is not out way in front and which I'm very thankful for. And I think that puts a lot of people at ease. So Dave, you, you, and you do have a ton of energy. You have a great, um, charisma, a great way about you. So thank you for kicking off love on designers with us this week. And thank thanks you. for being on. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I mean, I've obviously listened to your show and watched what you do. And we've obviously met. And I was going to say, I said to you at the beginning, I was going to tell you something that I didn't tell you. I drove, I was in the Hereford office today where I work at Stute. And I listen to podcasts coming in to work and go, coming home, just so I can research designers and find out about people. So I listened to the whole part one and part two of Chris Doe interviewing you last May, which was really odd because you were talking about this in May. You, you were talking to Chris about Love on Designers. And, mm -hmm. and I realized that that was like a month after Creative South when we first met. Mm -hmm. So it's always weird when you listen to older podcasts and you kind of get that reference point of, okay, well, I just met Diane. I, I wish I'd heard it then, but it was quite cool listening to Chris talk to you today. So I got to know more about you today in the last hour and a half, two hours to <laughs> be prepared long. for this. It was a long one. <laughs> it was. I know your tricks. <laughs> okay, good. Somebody, um, I, I really am excited because Chris is coming to a Creative South this Creative year. Creative South, yeah. yeah I've so never met him. Never met him. Well, so he is uh, just somebody that I connect with, um, much like you, uh, connected with, you just have this affinity towards, you have a attraction towards, you know, you just know that you've, you've met somebody who is so similar or yeah. so much like, um, you have so many of the same like interests and desires and goals and you're just um, who you are, Dave, I think is going to be, you will love uh, hanging out with Chris. So. Yeah. And my right. opinion changed on him because having never, in general, I actually sat, I sat next to Chris in a hallway at Adobe max uh, a couple of years ago. That was it 2017 Las Vegas. And I knew it was him. Uh, because another designer had, had tweeted something about him and I kind of recognized him, but not enough to go just walk up to him and go, oh, you're Christo and, and have him be like, whoa, 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 personal space. <laughs> so um, I kind of acknowledged it was him and okay, that's Chris. Okay, cool. Never spoke to him. 
and yet bizarrely i've only started listening to some of the stuff he does mm. and my perception of him changed because at first i thought he was um you know like when people get too wrapped up in their world that they actually mm. they they can't they talk a lot about things but don't connect Whereas having listened to him interview you, it took me a while to realise it was actually him interviewing you. I thought it was a different Chris. I thought maybe he had someone do the podcast. It wasn't until it started to open up, I thought, oh, this is Chris. Oh, wow. He's not the person I thought he was going to be. So it was quite good. I'm looking forward to meeting him anyway. So he, well... We'll, we talk yeah. about him. See, but I he, just did your trick. I talked about I, someone else. Yeah, yeah, that is. That's totally my trick. You can always, uh, I can talk a lot about somebody else. And Dave is very similar. So we're going to dig into Dave, though. Okay. So you're one of my favorite people. The way we met is uh, you just, um, you ha- you are easy to talk to. Thank you. You also are not, um, you kind of know where people are and you can read people really well. We, I think this is a superpower for you is the ability you can read body language, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is like from a long time. You've done this even as a kid. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, because, so here's the thing. I know that people aren't, I think me and Dave are a lot of like, we could just like talk and not even have to use words and we'd be able to communicate and y'all would be so lost and whatever. Right. But I think that there's some people who are very, in our industry, Dave, it's not a lot of people who have um, that superpower of being able to maybe read people or being comfortable being silly yeah. or being comfortable making fun of yourself or being okay. Like it's either people have really big egos or they're or really kind of wallflowers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's somewhere. And I really think that there's so much of an advantage to having just be able to be open with people and really i think it, you honestly you care and i care too so it's i think that there's some genuineness i don't think you can kind of manufacture caring um no it's a lost but, art it's definitely a lost art um and being being older so it's easier for me to speak of things differently than maybe i would have done well the, the the me of 20 years ago you wouldn't recognize um so I think as you get older, you 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 have different kind of outlook on life, but you find people. It's a lost art of being polite. It's a lost mm-hmm. art of having respect. It's the the world we live in now is so fast and demanding that you know even some. I listened to a podcast the other day. It was really interesting that somebody was talking about good manners. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you speak to your Amazon device or your Apple device. <laughs> How many times do you say, when you ask them to do something, do you say, please? Right. You don't. You demand. You say, hey, oh, I'm not going to say it because my, my thing will go off. But if I say, Alexa, what's the weather? You, you wouldn't speak to someone like that and get a response. So even just simple things. like I say, Alexa, what's the weather, please? If I talk to Syria, I say, please. I say, thank you. Because th- that's one of the things that was instilled mm. in me as a youngster mm. that either stays with you or goes away. If it stays with you, you're sat here today talking to someone on a podcast. Whereas 11 years ago, um, you wouldn't be talking to me. I was a completely different person 20 years ago, completely different person. So how, how, so describe how you are now and then describe how you, or give me three adjectives that you think are you now that were not you then. And then three adjectives that were you then. Um, 
it's funny you should say the word adjective because the girls gave me a booklet the other night and I couldn't remember what nouns, verbs, adjectives or anything. No. So, so I would, if, I, if I were to describe myself in three words, okay. I, I would say like, I've, I've more confidence now mm. than I've had previously, but I wouldn't call myself a confident person. I would say I've got more, um, probably more belief in what I can achieve Mm. now than I did 10 years ago and I would say I probably um you know let's you can be self-depreciating mm. so I've, I've had to learn you know like sitting there and you say nice things about me makes me feel awkward oh yes it's because I'm not like sitting there going yeah that's me check me out <laughs> I, I find it difficult to accept praise so I've had mm. to learn to kind of yes i am good at some things mm -hmm. that's not an arrogance that's that's just a i must be good at something because something's going right at the moment but i'm not arrogant enough to think i'm the best at something i know i can be better i always know i can be better the person 10 years ago 11 years ago um not so confident mm -hmm. slightly less belief in you know i, I had a day job I've for the I left school at 16 I'm 53 I've worked every day of my life um two periods when my daughters were born I went freelance for six months and nine months but went straight back to work so I've always had a work ethic um so like back in the day I had a day job I didn't have the the hustle of you know having to create my own world so I liked being around people I liked working in an environment where you know, I've worked for a family company. I worked for my dad. I worked for a big corporate. Um, I've, I've worked for companies that have grown. I like, I've always liked to be as part of a team mm. rather than be the, the, the me out front kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I was a wallflower, but in a nice way, it was, I liked helping people. I like, I, and I said this to somebody the other day about being good at your job is I always wanted to be the person, and I mean this in, in a nice, non-braggy way, is I wanted to be the person that when I left the company of my own free will, that the next person that came in and said, how do I do this? They'd be, this is how Dave used to do it. I'd, I'd want to be thought of well enough that I did my job well enough that I would be the benchmark. Mm. I would be, I set the standard of my, of, of my own um, achievement. So I, I wanted to be good at that thing. I wanted to be liked, like everyone wants to be liked and th well thought of, and you know, and then you get pay rises. So ten, I mean, there's a story behind that, which we'll go into. If I go back to when I was a kid, I was a little chubby ginger kid at school. You know, I'm, <laughs> I was, I was prime bullying uh, fodder, you know, little chubby kid, ginger hair, um, I could have been bullied. I wasn't. I'm not one of those people that goes, you know, I had an awful childhood. I was bullied at school. I, I had the confidence from my parents to realize at school from a very young age is you, despite what you look like, it doesn't, you, you, what you look like doesn't um, set out who you are. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, at that young age, I was probably more confident as an 11 year old, nine to 10, 11, 12 year old than I was when I was in my thirties, because at school I had to learn to let my personality out to mm. not be 
kicked along the hallway pretending I'm a lorry like my friend Philip used to get or locked in a cupboard or you know if my pants pulled up and my trousers thrown up a tree I never had any of that and yet to look at the pictures of me and I was this little kind of chubby ginger kid but that taught me a, a big lesson I, I learned to do impressions I learned to remember funny things off tv and mm. recite them at school and you know the, the cool kids that would have generally you know bundled me into a box and thrown me down the stairs were actually entertained by me but I wasn't the class four I wasn't the class idiot I just learned to quickly blend like a chameleon like don't walk into a room and be the little ginger kid just walk into the room and nobody notices the little ginger kid that's the art yeah that then then you're not completely like people don't see that first they it's like oh Dave's here and I, I like that feeling of people being happy that I'm in a room mm. rather than being, oh god he's here <laughs> yes <laughs> and we all know someone like that and if you don't know someone like that it's you <laughs> So, so this is one of the things, there was a podcast that you, you have your own podcast with Glenn Lewis and he's good, good friend that you've done work with. You've been friends with for a long time. He's a Photoshop photo guru. He's a photographer. He does a lot of stuff with Scott Kelby. You both do and with Photoshop world and stuff like that. So you, Glenn had, um, lost his dad, um, in the summer or that was when I was listening. I think it was pretty current. And he said, you said, you know, I, I kind of didn't expect you to want to do a podcast today. And he said something and it wasn't these exact words, but he said, Dave, you're, you're one of the only people that I would want to be around today, especially you're the person I want. And that is, that's the, it's, it's making it about, um, it's not all about Dave, right? Whoever you're around, like, you are making life better for all these other people. And I just think that that's such a pure love that you give to so many people. And, and maybe it is because you were loved so good, you know, yeah, as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a sense of, um, I don't know, empathy is the word. Mm. It's you, depending on who I'm in a room with, you know, for me, the per- that, that person in the room with me is the most important person to me because they're choosing to spend time in my company. And, and so then I think the, the personality trait is you blend, part of you blends into them. So mm. you become an empathetic, empathetic, I can't even say the That's word. That's an empathetic. Yeah, empathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, my, my behavior around you and our conversation would be different to my behavior and conversation with Glyn. And then, and then with maybe someone I know less is I, I try and find out about them or, I, or like I say, I watch, I love people watching. I love going mm. to, I love flying. So I love going to airports and kind of watching people's behavior. And I like watching documentaries on people's behavior. And that's not in a stalkery kind of way. I think, you know, we've got a set of skills, particular set of skills like Liam Neeson. Um, you have to get, you have to get through in life one way or another. And mm. you can either make it a really good time and you know, be lying on your deathbed, thinking, "Well, there's no one here I owe money to, <laughs> and, and there's no one holding a pillow over my face." You know, so or or you could have nobody around your bed because you were a complete hmm. tool, and and nobody wants to be with you. So that my upbringing, my parents, I come from a big family. Um, you know, my dad's side, there's a ton of us. My mum's side, less so, but 
Mum's an East Londoner, dad's from North London, dad was one of eight kids, uh, dad was actually one of 12, but eight surviving. And all my, you know, being brought up were around older people, aunts and uncles, cousins. So, you know, I wasn't a kid who went without, I wasn't a kid who didn't, you know, I didn't sit in my room lonely, but I could walk, also walk into a room and you wouldn't even know I was there when I wanted it, which was a lot. I'd, I'd like to go in a room and read the room and mm. who's around, which uncle do I not want to be picked up and tickled by? Right. Well, I keep well away from him and I go and talk <laughs> to that auntie over there cause she won't let him near me. <laughs> so you, it's not until you're older. I said this the other day on a, on a, to Mark Hirons, we were talking about my upbringing. It's not until you're older that you look back and remember so many things as a, as a child or your upbringing that you know made a difference you, you know those family members that carried you on their shoulders and gave you the confidence and allowed you to do something or had that skill that they shared with you mm-hmm. um, I think you talked you talked on the podcast with Chris about a teacher you had a professor you had you couldn't find that had given you some advice they, they think why you know everyone should think why we remember these moments in our life mm-hmm. because they were important good or bad mm-hmm. and and you learn something from those moments. And then it's whether you go ahead and decide to apply them in real life or they just go in your memoirs and you never tell anybody. So, which will, you know, we'll come on to the, the thing 10, 11 years ago that made a massive change in my life. But going into that, you, I don't think you can just become something overnight. Mm-hmm. I think there's a sense of it in you first. You just have to let it develop in the right way and then you become you're in company with with similar people that you want to be around and then they bring the best out in you and they encourage you and push you and um i mean i I don't i don't i know you've got a list of questions so i don't want to kind of meander off the path because there's a couple of people i want to mention so okay but so this is one of those things so i'm trying to think about for those people who are like the wallflowers or people who really are like ooh, i don't want to be out I actually feel like you are a lifter. So I would think of if Dave, Dave could be on the top of the pyramid. If, if there's cheerleaders and they're on the, they're building the pyramid and they're going up, but Dave actually is happy being on the bottom rung or the middle rung. But if he needed to be on the top rung, cause you have, you've been on big stages and yeah. taught people and you've done that, but you actually are just as happy doing being on the groundwork and li- and being that lifter for somebody else. And I think, Oh yeah. I think that that is one of those things that people don't realize is really one of your superpowers is just being encouraging for other people and being um, and giving them like, Hey, you could do this. Why don't you try this? And then it's just about connecting them with somebody else, you know, because there's trust there. There's trust with the other people, you know, and then there's trust with this new person that you see the light in. And my friend Jody would call that a gold digger in a good way. And I was trying to explain, um, to and Jody's going to be on next week, so maybe we'll talk about gold digging a little bit more in a different way than what you're thinking, maybe. But you do see the gold in other people, and I think that that's the thing. It's about seeing. Um, okay, so so just so you guys know, Dave and Glenn celebrated a hundred thousand downloads in at episode forty nine, and this is the one year today or this week. Uh, yeah, the, it was the one weekend. year. Right. So we've we've done ten more episodes and we're now on one hundred and thirty thousand. 
So, and it's so incredible. <laughs> okay, so this is it is that is incredible, and it's a short amount of time, and it's just amazing. But this is one of those things I think as designers, instead of being like, oh man, I wish I could have that many. Like you know, I think we do that a lot on social media. Like, yeah. how did they get so many followers? I'm doing this, and you know, a lot of it could be that self-deprecating, like you suck, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it's about, I think, and I wrote this down, I think you need to share each other's wins. And so I have no bad feelings for you having 130,000 downloads. I think that's amazing. I think that more people need to hear you. And so when, but so say, Dave, you got 20,000 Instagram followers, you posted three images and they were just rocking awesome. And you got 30,000 or whatever in three days. Instead of being uh, upset that I didn't get that, I think it's so important. And I think this is who you are and this is what you do too. You don't even care about the numbers really. I mean, it's nice stats, but really it's about, you've done so many things for other people. You're not looking at the numbers. You're just wanting to celebrate their wins. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, and that hundred, I, I could not tell you, honestly, my hand on my heart could not tell you even how many followers I've got on instagram twitter or facebook I, I genuinely do not know i don't care i don't do facebook live i don't do instagram live i don't have a youtube channel i don't put myself in in a live environment um we'll talk about why i don't like being on camera but for the show that's not one hundred thirty thousand downloads for me and glenn that means one hundred thirty thousand people have listened to the guests that we've had on right. that means that when we put something out that that had a particular message because we wanted to like put someone on a higher, you know, you must know about this person. You must know about this book. That's 130,000 downloads of people listening to, I think, I think I worked it out 59 episodes, 40 guests. So for me, I'm pleased not because people listen to me and Glenn it's I'm pleased because people took the time to find out about somebody else because I know important podcasts are to my life and my career massively. Um, So the win is for them. And I share the stats with, um, with our guests. I go back to them and um, one guy in particular Mm -hmm. was was one of my favorite ones. It was a really random one, but it's um, Bill. The guy that wrote the junk type book. Okay. Um, Bill, his name's Bill. I think it's. I'll look it up. I'll look it up right now. And and I just reached out to him, and he was kind of, oh wow, you want to interview me? Um, Yeah, okay. And it was one of my favourite ones because we had so much in common. It was like that old junk. In fact, I only found out about Bill Rose. Bill Rose. I only found out about the book because Aaron Draplin posted it. So I went and bought it. It's full of old stuff that I like. I messaged him, and I, I was saying to him like these are your downloads yeah people over 2000 people have listened to your episode and i was so pleased for him because i just thought i hope he gets a book sale i hope people buy his book i hope that he gets the result from that because we're just sat in a room chatting you know where i get to talk to to people i didn't think i'd get to talk to and thank them and, and you know i appreciate the book and the time and effort that went into him traveling and creating this this book that i've got on my shelf that i absolutely love it's like i can go straight to it and that for me is part of the the enjoyment of the podcast is Mm. is elevating people 
So and it is, and but that is, so people who are wallflowers, you can do this too. So instead, I think this is a great month to kick it off, uh, February for Love on Designers. And st so you think you may not be able to be out there in front. You really would rather be the support or, and I, I, that's me. Like I totally like to be the worker bee. I think Dave is like mm -hmm. that too. We, we don't want to be known. Um, and maybe I'm speaking for you, but I don't think you want to yeah. be known for being like, ha ha. It's, you know, like oh, Dave is, it's always about, oh my goodness, let me tell you about this person. And I think that that is such an easy way to talk to new people or to make connections. And also, so I think one thing that's really helpful is that Dave has a good memory, right? I think so. <laughs> I, it's weird. <laughs> Glenn always says this is I, I have a great memory for faces Okay. And, and I'll, I'll share a really quick, scary story with you, but I've got a great memory for faces and, and, uh, dates. Like I, I know when the podcast anniversary is and Glenn's like, how do you know that? So I can remember a lot of the years, important things happen in my life or when I met someone or where I met someone. And I did freak out a guy once. Um, I went on holiday and that, I, and at this holiday place, there was a guy, they, they had a soccer camp. And there was this guy there. He was in a, a full tracksuit, a full uh, football association tracksuit. And I saw him a couple of times. He had this tracksuit. And I thought, oh, he must be the coach. Didn't talk to him. 15 years later, okay, I'm at a football match. And this guy walks in the room. And I instantly knew who he was. And I went up to him and, and kind of tried to not make it awkward. But um, I was like, oh, you did you, you for the match? You were, you know, you're a Watford fan or... And we got chat. I said, like, if you don't mind me asking, I said, it really won't freak you out. But were you at Centre Parks in Elverdon Forest in 1990, whatever it was? And he just looked at me and went, yeah, why? <laughs> I said, were you the football coach? And he went, no, I was on holiday. I said, yeah, but you had a football tracksuit. He said, yeah, I just wore an England tracksuit. I said, I thought you were the football coach all week. And he goes, how do you remember me? I said, it's just something was there and it stuck in my head and now it's it's like i see people's faces i might not be good with names but i'll kind of know i know that person i know where i met them and sometimes it's just remembering those things that does help you start a conversation so it's, you know my mind works bizarrely the way i store information now it's like uh it's like a sea container full of old junk that I can sort through <laughs> did you as a kid ever play that game memory do you know that game it's oh, little what, cards and you flip them over and you have to make oh fears. yeah yeah were you good at that game no <laughs> I because see I'm I'm also easily distracted mm. as well um you know procrastination is, is like the patient the patient saint uh, of designers is saint procrastinator uh, and i think i think the whole thing of um of being distracted I, on the way home tonight i was obviously listening to your podcast and i was thinking of things to talk about today and it was funny because chris mentioned something that was something i wanted to say about people on social media and the people you surround yourself with and it sounds really cheesy but i liken it to squirrels and rainbows so <laughs> What do you do when you see a squirrel? Even though you've seen a million in your life, you always go, whatever you're doing, you go, oh, squirrel. <laughs> so the people on 
so, so that's your reaction to a squirrel. Now, we've all seen a million rainbows, but every time there's a rainbow, what do we do? We stop and go, oh, look, there's a rainbow. Mm-hmm. And you get your camera out and you take a photograph of it, of your thousandth rainbow. So right. I think the people you should be surround, surround yourself with are squirrels and rainbows. The squirrels are the people you have in your social media, in your crowd. They're the people that when they walk in a room or you see them on social media, you'll go, oh, it's Diane. Oh, it's Dustin. Oh, it's Tom. And then the content they provide are your rainbows. Mm. So you, you stop and look at what they've put and you read it and, and you respond to it in like a, ah, oh, that's cool. So I was thinking that's how we react to things. We, we, those, those two things for me are like mm. the squirrel is the, oh, cool, squirrel. And the, the rainbow is the content. And I know it sounds cheesy, but that, that is how I try to fill my life with people that matter to me when I see their name and I care about what they're saying because then if I can like I said to you about Glenn if I get a text off him I can get maybe three four words in response I can tell if he's having a bad day like my wife laughs at me because oh you onto your other wi-fi yeah <laughs> <laughs> because you know and, and previous previous don't let my wife hear this previous girlfriends is the, the best way to get on with someone is to listen to them mm. and I used to like ask my then girlfriends, oh, do you like that song? Or what song did you like? And then I'd make a mixtape. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mixtapes? Oh, yeah. Oh. You were awesome. <laughs> what a great way to show I love know. to somebody, exactly. right? Exactly. It was like an hour and a half, the 90-minute yeah. tapes, you know? Those were awesome. So I try and do like a mixtape of information now for people that when I meet them, I remember the thing they tell me. I remember their wife's name, what their children did, what they, mm-hmm. what job they were working on. So you kind of present a, a personality mixtape because they get to be uh, reminded of the things you last spoke about. But you somehow know what's important. So that's the thing. I think other people are like going, going, going. They're not able to clue in. And that's that superpower, that hearing. It's yeah. not just listening and just oh well, we talked about this it's like actually remembering maybe it's their face maybe it's the tone when they were yeah. talking that you know what was important and somehow you're able to get to that kind of deeper level with with a lot of people you know yeah. so, so some mark said i'm a wallflower so mark bowden you probably met him at creative yeah. oh, i love never, mark. Kind of, yeah. I never thought you were a wallflower anyway but he said he was a wallflower so i what i want to do is kind of get like unpack this a little bit because it's really okay. not that difficult for somebody who feels very uncomfortable talking to a lot of people i mean mark i i love you like you're and so does dave right yeah so much to offer and then it's just really about listening. And for people who are like Dave and me, it's good to ask, know what questions to ask. Don't you think, Dave, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even the conversation you have is, um, it's like when you walk into a conversation and it's listening to what, to what the two people mm-hmm. are talking about and you can sense from the body language as well. Um, you know, if someone's having a good conversation or a bad conversation and, or a private conversation and, it takes a little bit of time to get to know. You don't know all of it all in one go, but equally you can see nice, you can see good behavior in people without it being like, it's just in their eyes or their smile or the way like they might, they might be tactile. You know, mm-hmm. you see people who are tactile and people who don't like you being in their, in their space. Mm-hmm. Creative South is, is, <laughs> you know, oh, it's like you, 
you died and gone to design heaven um, <laughs> in terms of the people that are there. Because I, I came back and said, I've never been to such an event like that where it was a complete level playing field. Yes. From, from the youngest attendee yes. to what you would be, let's say Aaron Draplin spoke. Let's say you're the youngest attendee to Aaron Draplin. Aaron Draplin and that kid could still be sat in a coffee shop trip having a coffee talking about design or books mm -hmm. there was there was no uh elevation but don't it, you think that's how you are every day yeah you have to be i think you have right. to you have to treat everybody um you have to give everyone a fair crack of the whip you know everybody can... has something to add exactly. everybody has something to give and you can learn from everybody so i think it's one about your attitude so it's about so if we're trying to help those wallflowers it's one about having the attitude that you so one thing is confidence to some extent right yeah. so there's something in these 10 or 15 years that you've learned dave that i hope you're going to share in this next question yeah so because again we're kind of unpacking it one is really listening and and watching body language there's actually books about body language that you can read but it sometimes it's just about and i'm going to have somebody on the show this summer and her name's pim and she is fantastic she's young she but she reads people really well i actually had a client who didn't read people really well her husband was a reader and she actually learned the art of face reading which i've yeah. talked a little bit about on the show um, but anyway, and there's a book called Face Reading. So if you aren't good about reading body language, you might want to get that book. But there's there's lots of little things that you can do to kind of help. Um, but yeah. sometimes it's just even as a kid, you were very empathetic. You were also very sensitive to how other people were in their reactions. And yeah. I think it was because you it wasn't always about Dave, right? No, and it's how you walk up to someone. So I walk up to someone and with the thought of, how can I help them? What can I do for you? There's other people who walk up to people and go, what's in it for me? And I think that's which, which camp are you in? If you want to be friends and approach people because you think there's something in it for you in, in a selfish way, you'll get found out really quickly because you generally find out those people sometimes get the thing they want and then they're gone. They're on to the next one. Right. Whereas I, I, when I get to know people and I meet them, my instant thing is, oh, well, that person's cool. I wonder how I can help them. I wonder who I can introduce them to. I wonder if we've got mutual friends. I wonder if I can even just give them half an hour of company because they're stood on their own. Or, you know, they might want to be on their own. They can tell me to go away. But it, it, I think I just get more enjoyment out of being, what can I give you? Because ultimately, I will get something back it'll be a French friendship, a connection, an opportunity, but it'll be natural. It won't be forced. And when it's natural, it's more fun because you get to share it rather than, you know, me contacting you and saying, Diane, can you put me in contact with this person? Right. I need a thing. I need this work or whatever. And there's no relationship there. It's, it's, right. I, I'm not, I don't chase the money. You know, I'm, I'm lucky I've got a day job. So I know people have to work hard and hustle and, you know, they're freelance, but I don't chase the money. It's that's not the guiding thing for me. I, you know, I, I'm good at what I do. I get paid well for what I do and, and I have a day job. I do things outside of work. That money is to make my house better. Get, you know, I'm saving to take the kids to Disney World because they've never been and they're nine and 10. So the plan is to go next year. So the things I do will be for that, but I, I won't go chasing it and right. like, demanding people that I should be given something or get something because 
it ne- it never ends up in a it, there's no right. like, there's no season two in the friendship it's right. all like right and yeah. it's not about lifelong it's not about and a friendship i think maybe did you have good friendships as kids did you have good long lasting friendships uh, like from I first had, grade to I, seventh grade or something yeah i had i had good friends at school that were like me that you know we were interested in dinosaurs and fossils and marbles and you know all the kids football stickers i don't have any friends from school um in fact i really stopped having friends from school quite early on in my teens um because that's one thing that happens in life like when you work somewhere mm-hmm. and you always say like and you leave i'll oh, keep in touch i'll come back and visit you i've got i've probably got like one or two really good friends from every single job i've been in mm but maybe maybe one but i've made you know i've had a best man i've had a best friend i've had someone who's you know taken me to another country i've had opportunities with these people sounds like you were abducted yeah friend (laughs) me to another country yeah Uh, no but uh, a guy i do want to talk about um as as part of the person i've become i give a lot of credit to um yeah it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to kind of put your finger on it. Yes. But you know it. You know it when you feel it. Mm-hmm. When when you're around someone and you lose track of time and you're just having the mm. best time, and and I'll tell you one person who, of everybody I've met, and for anyone who's watching that I have met, I love you all. But there's one there's one person who I call my business crush, and he'll hate me for saying this. I could spend every day. In fact, I want to live next door to him, Dustin Lee. (laughs) I want to live next door to Dustin Lee. I could, every time, I've only hung out with him twice, but I love the energy that guy has. He is so unassuming. He's not cocky. He's not show off. He's not braggy. But when we chat, we chat for three hours on Skype. When, (laughs) When I was with him in Portland and I felt like I'd known him all my life, Mm. I just... I I like the way he feel he makes me feel when I talk to him, mm-hmm. and that's the feeling I want to give if I talk to someone else. But he also he has that helpful. He wants he to be helpful. Yeah. He really and so that's the only time I've ever seen him be uncomfortable was when somebody thought that he was after something else. Yeah, and, and it it's it's just so not that you know when somebody's like oh really you think she's the spawn of satan i that's a very odd i can't imagine that you know and it's kind of like i don't think you met the same person that i know you know or or somebody took it but i think that's where like the chris doe or or dustin or you know draplin you know somebody might have met them on the wrong day but they're human you know exactly well i said to you when we had a chat last week is just because you have a bad first experience that's not game over they might have just had a really bad day at work they might have just had you know my wife will say to me i could walk in the front door from work and she could tear me a new one and i haven't even done anything other than hang my coat up and i could react and be like how do you think you are but actually you know she's had the kids for four hours she's had a bad day at work she's had maybe something's broken in the kitchen and she had to clear it up and she's running my daughter around playing football so you could be just that the loveliest guy in the world but as you walk into that person's space and life in that moment you don't really know what kind of day they've had now most 
people you can read it or you can sense it when you talk to them you sh- you know when to back off and walk away but we're human we all you know i have i have, I have bad days okay. but it's not anyone else's fault so i try not to try not to pass that off on anyone but i, I would say oh, i'm not really chatting today I bad day. i've got some stuff to sort out but so we talked about this the other day. We yeah. talked about you and what kind of person you are. So again, that wallflower, we're trying to kind of break that down. You have to be a listener and you have to be able to read people and you have to be able to have some good questions, which I know we haven't gotten to that, but it's also yeah. about how you come up to someone and are you guarded? Are you, so we, I asked Dave, I was like, how do you open the door? Cause he kept using this analogy. Another thing I love about Dave is he used these, these analogies. Oh, I love analogies. Life. Me too. So he used this analogy. He's like, are you somebody who opens the door and the change still on? And so, yeah. you know what I mean when, when he says that, like, that's very clear. And then, um, and uh, just to kind of, um, Abdallah says uh, there has to be some kind of correlation or causation between being a wallflower and working as a creative. And I think there is, I think that's probably the go-to sort of feel that's the, but it, it doesn't always work as a long-term career. I think you have to have that team. You have to work with other people beca- and you have to know people yeah. because otherwise you're in a well and the well will dry up. And I think it's yeah. super important that you expand where that water's coming from, whether it's yeah. for inspiration or whether it's for that, Hey, I need to pull off some of your water cause I need to make some more money or, or I need something else. Cause I, th- and somebody was like, I don't understand. Oh, Mark said, he said, I don't understand people who simply approach uh, other people just looking for a handout or some sort of, you know, something they're just wanting something. And I think honestly, Mark, I think that has to do with desperation. So then Dave said there was, I think there's three kinds of people. I said, I thought there were two, but then Dave corrected me. There's three. So one opening with the chain open. There's also people who never even open the door and they're just talking through the door because they're so through the little hole in the door. <laughs> And then there's people like Dave who it's like, Hey, I'm going to just open wide. And that's why I called this show. This episode is doors open, opening doors wide. Yeah. Um, Because it's about going into all those being just like a little kid in a field of flowers. And you're not even thinking about the bees. You're not thinking about the thorns. You're just seeing the beauty. And I think that's the other, uh, other kind of, uh, attitude or, or perspective that you kind of have to have when you go into new conversations with people. Yeah. And I, and I also would think that you don't know how big the field is. You don't know if it's going to be a long conversation or a short conversation, but you're willing to let it be whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And you have to learn. And, and I've learned this the hard way. You also have to learn to know when to switch that off because as like mm-hmm. anything in life, um, people i said this is going to sound really harsh people can become a real drain on your friendship Mm. because they go they're too much and and it uh, and and i'm aware of it because i never want to be that person i never i never want to be the email where someone's like oh god him again (laughs) and so and there is a point where you have to kind of not be on call for everyone all the time Hmm. and and you can't respond to everything all the time and and it's when people like keep sending you messages maybe and you don't respond to them it's because i'm at work it's it's because i i'm committed to eight hours a day to the person who's paying the money that pays my mortgage i'm not there as a i can't respond to every question that you've got yes i'd love to help you but you know at the same time 
I've got a wife and four children. I've got commitments at home. I'm not just that. I might be a nice guy. And this is something me and Glenn always say is that the, the danger, the, the bad side of, of the personality that I have is people actually don't take what you do seriously. Mm. It's just, you know, it's like when, um, it's like when a girl, when you meet a girl at school and you go up and say, oh, you know, do you want to go out? And they go, I think you're, re- oh, you're so sweet. you're so cute that you then just become the nice person the safe person to be around there's no they don't want any further involvement so then you can become the nice responder uh oh i'll I'll, I'll keep messaging and it it sounds really horrible saying it because there's me saying i want to be everyone's friend and help them but there's a limit there's a limit as to how much time you can give somebody else Mm-hmm. Um, not being rude, but you know, they they have to understand who you are because otherwise you can become the court jester, or you know, not Dave the designer or Dave the instructor or Dave the the author or whatever. You're just like that nice guy, Dave. Oh, I'll get him to do it. He'll do it. He's a nice guy. So you have to walk a line of. I've learned to say no. Um, and it's a really important word in the, in a lot of things. You have to learn to say no or not yet, because no, we mean. Sorry, I was going to say. Me and Glenn have said before in business is um, a no isn't final. A no can just be a not yet. Not, now is not the right time. So never take any everything at finality. You know, just think like we said about people. They might be having a bad day. It might be the wrong time. It might be a financial or logistical decision. Don't throw your toys out the pram the first time something doesn't happen for you. Right. Because you can sometimes have an egg on your face. and. and... <laughs> right. Sometimes it's just not the right time. Yeah. So, in, so do you think that your ability to say no, we're totally jumping around. This is like question yeah. seven. Do you think that that's been one of the things that you've learned in the last 10 years that's helped you? balance work and because you are very active in the design community you're on active online you have kids though you have a wife you have a full-time job and you travel I mean there's there's all kinds of things but you also have side projects which is a podcast you have friends you have um writing a book writing a book and so how do you think saying no has been one of those things that we all need to embrace that's helped you be more successful yeah and i know the question you're on about as well um yes i have learned massively how to not overcommit. Mm. um we still do because we still have that element those those that are of this personality want to eager to please mm. and sometimes you you will oh i'll do it for you i'll do it for you um yeah there comes a point where and that changed the minute i kids the minute i had two okay. girls so when i met when i met andrea she had her two sons and they were seven and nine. They're now 21 and 22. So I've been their dad since they were younger than my girls are now. And they're my boys. End of. They're not, they're not stepchildren or anything. They are my boys. But when I had the girls, when, when they were born, and you suddenly realise how much time and dedication these little humans need, is you have, you have to learn to say no, just purely because... The, the people who keep asking you for things when they know you've got children and are not good people to be around because they've got no respect for your life, for your commitments, for what you do. So 
yeah, from from the age of thirty nine forty was you know life begins at forty. I am the perfect example of that. Uh, up to that age, you know, definitely wallpaper. Okay, so um, what was it? What was the thing that really was the kind of game changer for you at 40? So two things. But the first thing is I want to go back 20 years. Okay. okay. When I was in my 20s, um, I met a guy um, through uh, someone I was with at the time. And his name's Mike. Mm-hmm. And me and Mike became fast friends. And he, Mike, was, uh, and if he ends up listening to this, he, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, Mike is quite five foot seven, had, was probably so as weighted. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and Mike carried some weight. Um, you know, he wasn't skinny, but like me, we, we had padding. We, we had a good tog rating on our body duvet. And... Uh, and he had ginger hair as well. And man, that guy could charm the birds out of the trees. He could, I would watch him in a room. He would have everybody eating out of the palm of his hand. And I used to think, how? He's got, huh. how's he doing this? What is it? And then I started to realize it wasn't, you know, we all judge everything on looks. Mike just had this really kind of, uh, personality that he would fill you with so much encouragement and self-belief that you would do he would set you a challenge that's what that's how mike operated he set you challenges without you realizing it and you you wanted to prove him wrong and right so mike took me under his wing and he put me in a position um he used to invite me to football club and he invited me along to this event and he said you're going to be a room with like 10 people I think it was at the football match dress smart so I go along and I'm like super quiet you know I, I literally am, won't talk to anybody I, I like to keep myself to myself he goes around the room and he says okay so thank welcome to the football club he's the marketing manager um at Watford Football Club when Elton John uh was was quite heavy heavily influenced there he goes around the room and he's saying, okay, just let us know. Um, it was a sponsorship thing. Who are you? Where are you, company, where are you from? And what's your company do? I'm sat on the end. I'm his guest. He goes around. He gets to me and I'm thinking, and he's going to go, oh, and this is my friend Dave. No. What Mike does is he makes up a name for me. He makes up a company name for me. And he asks me to stand up and tell them all about my company and how successful it is. And he... No, it wasn't... He used to do this to me constantly. So I, I can't let him down because he's marketing manager. He's got all these people paying thousands of pounds to be a sponsor. Wait, I, I have a question. So this is terrific. Uh, this is a great. So there's pressure because you don't want to disappoint, right? But yeah. was it anything connected to what you actually do? So no, you no, no. I, in fact, from memory, it was some kind of chemical <laughs> chemical apparatus, apparatus company or some, some like... I, Really, really put me on the spot. But what I learned was thinking on my feet and having the confidence mm. not to be scared. And Mike, in 1991, Mike, I used to go around his house and Mike used to run the London Marathon and New York Marathon. And if you looked at him, you'd go, you've run a marathon, which is the same look I get. But Mike said, look, 
come over to my house, come out for a run. I know this is a long-winded story, but it's worth it. Come out to my house, come for a run. We'll go for a mile. We hadn't even got a mile, and I was sat on the floor, and I was blowing out of every hole in my body. My heart was going... Um, this was December. And then in January, he said, look, come out, come out more often. Come out for a little bit longer. Um, and then... I started running out, going out longer with him and I, I was starting to get some fitness. And he said to me, what are you doing in April on this particular date? And Mike used to get tickets for football matches. So I thought he, I'd be going to some big final, like Super Bowl, but English equivalent. And I said, I'm doing nothing that weekend, Mike. I'm completely available. <laughs> what I didn't know was this was January. In April, he entered me for the London Marathon. So... <laughs> I've gone from running a mile and nearly dying and in four months I'm going to run 26.3 miles. Wow. And he'd never told me until February. So he kept me running, kept me running, kept me running, gave me the confidence. You can do this. Do one more mile. Come on, you can do it. Don't let me down. And Mike always says, I know you won't let me down. That was his, that's his phrase. I know you won't mm. let me down. And you don't want to let him down. He just has this puppy dogs, like you let me down. So um, <laughs> I did it. He entered me. I, when he told me what he'd done, I told him where to go and, and how, to, how, how to go where to go. <laughs> but he said, I believe in you, Dave. I think you can do it. I know you won't let me down. So I set, I set out to do it. In, he said, five hours. Do it in five hours. I went, you sure? Five hours? I'll be happy with the same day. He's like, no. <laughs> five hours. So... My finishing photograph, and I will send it to you to prove it, is four hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds as I crossed the finishing line. No and way. And I didn't let him down. And that man completely changed my life and made me more confident, more aware of my own ability, and gave me like the belief that, it doesn't matter what it look like. doesn't matter how I feel that if I apply myself to it, I, I, and he did, he took me so much and we had to say, he took me to America. I ended up doing eight London marathons in 10 years. He introduced me to so many people. I got to play football at, at football, at my own football club. that I love just through his relationship. He ended up introducing me to my wife from a friendship that started in 1987. He introduced me to my wife. Now, Going back to when I was 39, when I met Andrea, I had been doing Photoshop stuff. And, and, and this is another person I want to give a big shout out to as well. Is I belong to an association called the National Association of Photoshop Professionals run by Scott mm -hmm. Kelby. Mm -hmm. um, I used to buy the magazine. I didn't really know who they were. I didn't really know who he was. I think I'd seen a couple of his books, um, but I wasn't much of a photographer. And I joined, ended up joining this association in 2009. I had kind of looked at what they did and I contacted them and said, uh, I, th I think you should do more for people in England. Um, I've got some ideas. And they came back and said, we'd like you to be an evangelist, which at the time their evangelists put a little graphic on their website and made $10 every time someone joined. And I went back and said, that's not an evangelist. That's an affiliate. If you want an evangelist, I'll give you an evangelist, but you have to trust me to do it. And Nancy, who I give credit for, Nancy Massey, 
she said, you make it what you want. You're going to be the first one. So I created a website. I created a persona called NAP Member UK. I had a social media account. I had the affiliate scheme. Year one, I think I got about 50 new members. Year two, I got 132 new members. Bearing in mind, this was $200 to join. Wow. Um, Cyber Monday helped. But I then decided to go to an event called Photoshop World. Mm-hmm. What year was this? This was 2010, 2010. Okay. I saved up. Um, I already had Elise and Fleur. So the, the kids already, because they were born 2008 and 2009. And yeah, my math is right, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I already had two small babies. And I said to Andrea, I need to go to this event. I just, there's something about it. I just think there's an opportunity here that I need to go over and I need to meet Scott. I need to introduce myself to him. I need to speak to the people that have, have helped me. And I want to learn. I want to be better. So wait, I have a question. Yeah. So, so I just want to paint the picture. You have two small yeah. children. It's two babies. Yep. Yeah. And you were working for somebody else. Yeah, I had a regular full time job. Full time job doing design. Yeah, in marketing. I've always worked in uh, the the latter half of my career. I've worked in marketing, a designer in marketing or right. marketing manager. Yeah. But so it's not like you're just sitting at home and doing freelance not that anybody's sitting at home doing freelance because yeah. you're hustling if you're sitting at home doing freelance yeah but you're you're really I mean, there's a lot of commitment so taking this time to go to this conference and you're really trusting your gut i think mm. as you take a sip yeah. i'm so sorry sorry no it was <laughs> it was just one of those things it felt the energy of what it had of what the mm. um, NA, which is now Kelby one, but the energy that they had, they had a community online. And it was a f- back in bearing in mind 10 years ago, social media wasn't what it is today. So there was a forum, there was a community forum and, and the, it was such a, such a cool place. Loads mm. of people helping each other, mm. offering advice, fi- you know, going off and finding, recommending things, which was my world. You know, that was where I was happiest. So I thought, imagine what this will be like in person. So I saved up, got my flight, convinced Andrea it was I should I should go to this. Flew to Las Vegas, rock up thinking I'm just going to be like the tiniest. Uh, I'm going to be the little fish on the back of the fish in the, in the ocean. <laughs> There's like 4,000 people there that weekend. It's a three-day event. And I turn up and there's a guy I meet. As I'm checking in, there's a guy standing next to me. I get chatting to him. Are you here for Photoshop World? We're still friends. Um, I I checked in. I went over to the elevator to go up to the room. And there's a guy in there uh, who's one of the instructors with a beard. His name's Alan Hess. He's one of my... Yeah, he's here. He yeah. said he thought he, he met you at Photoshop World in 2010. Yeah. yeah. Alan looked down. He said, uh, are, you da- are you Dave from the English guy? And I went, yes. How do you know? He said, because like, your skin's translucent. <laughs> You're the palest person. <laughs> but me, Alan's like my, Alan, Alan Glynn, they're brothers to me. Mm. I, I, I love Alan like, like a brother. He's, he's just an awesome man and a great photographer, brilliant author. Um, I could sit and talk about another, but so that, so then I go down to my first event, which is this meetup and I walk in and I don't know anybody. I'm completely like, I don't know what to expect. 
And this lady I walk up to, we're standing at a bar, we've got a drink. She was the only other person there. And name's Teresa Jackson. We get chatting, we swap business cards. Teresa's a really good friend of mine now. She's become, she won a guru at that Photoshop world. Uh, she's gone on to be an instructor. She's a teacher like you. Um, I got to meet one of the Photoshop guys, Dave Cross. I completely immersed myself in the experience because I thought I've invested in this. I met every single instructor. I got to meet Scott Kelby. I got to meet other attendees that are still friends today. And that, that for me was the important thing. That conference told me that this is, um, this is my world. Mm. This is, this is where I'm going to thrive. If I'm going to be good at what I do, I need to be part of a community because to, you know, back in 2010, only nine years ago, that, that was the kind of the awakening of knowing that I can just walk up to people and we do have something in common because we're all at the same event. So we've always already got something in common. Mm-hmm. And then you start to build little friendships and you get advice. And, and then I met Scott and Scott was really gracious. And um, he then came back. I flew home. I had an amazing time. Photoshop world was just unbelievable. I flew home. Scott was then coming to London the month after and I emailed him, just said, look, I know you're coming over. I did meet you at Photoshop World. You might not remember me. I'm your evangelist. Um, I'd love to just have a cup of coffee with you just to ask some questions. And he said, nope, I'm going to spend the day with you. You're my evangelist. You're my guy. Come down. We're going to go around London for the day. By the way, there's another guy I've invited that you need to meet. His name's Glenn Dewis. So I was like, okay. So I connected with Glenn. Oh, hi, I'm friends with Scott. Um, should we meet at Paddington and then we'll go on to meet Scott. So we met at Paddington, October the 14th, 2010. And I've only known Glenn eight years. Wow. That's uh, like that. It was Scott introduced us. Scott brought us together. We had to do the rest of the work, but in the past nine years without going through the whole history, because I'm aware of time as well is (laughs) Glyn and I both ended up writing for the magazine. Glyn and I have both recorded video classes for Kelby One. Glyn and I have both become instructors for Kelby One. Glyn and I are about, no, both going to be, Glyn's already an author. I'm going to be an author writing a book for Scott Kelby. The keynote at Photoshop World last year, they do a fun video. I was the star of the video about a British historian discovering something about the Beatles. But the thing was, is Scott saw that in me. Mm. I had to work hard and prove myself for the opportunities, but I got all that. I got to be part of that community and everyone accepted. And every time something cool happened, like writing for the magazine, the amount of people that would be, that's so cool. You deserve that. It's great to see you as an instructor. It's great to see you. Mm doing so well it was it was nice it was a validation that well i must be doing something right if someone like Mm. the guy the ceo of 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 that organization can have the belief in me to go from a member that right meekly british guy pale british guy rocks up at photoshop world (laughs) in 2010 and by 2009 yeah translucent (laughs) 2009 i've got the best friends i've ever had i've got Mm. the best opportunities I've ever had. And now you're doing that for other people. Do you realize that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's like pay it forward. I'm such mm. a proponent of, of pay it forward. 
if you get something good, pass it on. If it's not, if it's not for you, find someone else who it is good for. Think of so. So one of the things, it doesn't have to be a big name person. It doesn't have to be anybody um, that, that you're trying again, trying to get something, just try to encourage someone, anybody, just anybody you see that, that gold in or that spark in is the the person that you should invest some time in. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be a 20 year relationship and you're going to be mentoring for the, for this long. Sometimes it's just really a few months or it's some conversations. It, it doesn't, they, all of them are not these super long, um, very uh, demanding relationships. A lot of them are just very uh, uplifting to you as well. Right. They're just, they're just happy moments. Right. Sometimes you make fast friends. Sometimes you, you don't really make friends. You're just remembered as the person who helped. Mm. But not, that's the thing is um, don't confuse friendliness with friendship. Mm. Um, some of my, my, I've got to give my older brother a shout, Alan. Um, I've got two brothers. Alan's 11 years older than me. Mark's three years younger than me. My older brother, I could talk for an hour. That guy... I, I get to sit in the Rolling Stones dressing room. I get to sit in the car with Keith Richards leaving the gig. I, I, I've had so many experiences through my older brother. I could do a whole podcast about the stuff <laughs> right. he's done for me. And he was, he was in a rock band from the age of 15, 16. I used to travel around with his band. And I used to meet all these musicians, famous mm-hmm. musicians. He taught, Alan taught me how to behave around people higher, higher up. Alan taught me... When you go to a gig or you go to a conference, you know the guy that sits on the chair to stop you going in the room till it's ready. Go and talk to him. Go and introduce Mm -hmm. yourself and ask him his name and ask him, how is he? Is he having a good day? What do you do? Do you work here? Talk to them. Because that guy's as as important as the guy up on the stage. Mm -hmm. But he's the guy that gets walked past and forgotten. And often I'll go Mm -hmm. up and say, do you want a cup of coffee? And they'll go, oh, could you get me a bottle of water, please? I'm not allowed to leave my seat. So Alan taught me that skill is, mm. you know, he'd, he'd always speak to the security guards. He'd always speak to anybody who was manning the station or taking the tickets. And, and we used to have a laugh because Alan could never remember their names. So my job was to go up and, and <laughs> be like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Dave. You are, and you'd go, Diane. And Alan would go, I, I could have told you that was Diane. <laughs> He had no idea what your name was, but that was a <laughs> that was another thing that I was taught is, you know, it goes back to being everybody somebody. Mm. It might actually make, the, the guy sat at the door protecting it might be the most interesting person you meet a week mm-hmm. because they'll have a fascinating story or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so he was really important. So, yeah, like Mike, um, Scott Kelby, obviously introduced me to Glenn, um, and, and I've met, you know, I met Aaron Blaze, the Disney guy at Photoshop World, become really good friends, Alan Hess. It's just, you will make fast friends, you will make good friends, but you will just make casual acquaintances. But another thing you've done that I want to point out is that you see an opportunity and then you asked for it. Because again, it wasn't just helping you. You thought it would help yeah. a lot of other. Like, hey, I think you need some representation or I think you need, I wish you were over here in England. I think it yes. some other people. And then just because you were bold enough to stand up for somebody else or stand up for the group that wasn't even yeah. formed yet. And you did that when Adobe was trying to get 
uh, Draflin over there, right? So it's yes. just, you just, you aren't afraid to, and, and I really think part of it is that you feel like there's other people that can benefit from this. This is not just Dave benefiting, but this will help a lot of other people. It gives you yeah. the confidence maybe to go because it's not just for you. Cause maybe yeah. you wouldn't just do it if it was, if it was just for you, if it was just going to benefit yeah. you, you might not. There's a little bit. There's a little bit for me. There's always a little <laughs> bit for me. And and sometimes, do you know what? That little bit can be um, like the little bit for me that that I never expected was mm. I emailed Aaron. Dra- I only discovered Aaron Draplin in 2015. I've still got the app on my phone that I saved from the blog post where I saw him 2015. Mm. That was the first day I ever heard the name Aaron Draplin. So I reached out to him. Have you ever come to the UK? Um, have you considered it? Could I maybe do a Kickstarter or something to get you over? He emailed, which was amazing that in fact he responded. And what transpired was back and forth, got him to agree to come over, worked out what the fee would be. I spoke to my friend Tony Harmer at Adobe and said, if I could get Draplin to agree to come over, could Adobe somehow sponsor it? That turned into the post Adobe Max London event where Aaron Draplin was the keynote. Dan Mumford was also speaking. So I got a train to Heathrow. I met Aaron at Heathrow. We got a cab to his hotel. I stayed with him. Uh, we took him out for dinner. Um, I'd met, uh, we'll talk about Astute Graphics, but Astute Graphics came down and we, we all had dinner. I, I ended up, not only did I get Aaron to come over and talk and that he ended up doing a talk, I didn't even see the talk. <laughs> I, met, I ended up manning his merch stand all oh. night. <laughs> Because he had no, because Lee wasn't there, his girlfriend wasn't there. So, so I said, "Look, I'll run your merch stand. You go and do your thing." And I heard it. Um, and at the end of the night, I had to go back to work the next day. I only had two days off. I ran off to the train station, and I had all of his money. <gasps> I had. Can you imagine what his hey, merch I'll stand. I'll run your like. merch station. <laughs> yeah, I've run off to the station with all of his money, and I got about halfway to the station. I was going to be late. I was going to miss my train. Right. I could not bear the thought of him thinking I took his money. So I ran all the way back, ran into the room. I could barely breathe. And I got this huge wad of cash out. and went, oh, I left with your money. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just went, oh man, you, it's fine. And he gave me some money for a taxi to get to the station. We kept in touch. He, that, that little moment, I think, was the chrysalis of like, he picked me up from the airport. He gave me gave me space but he was company he manned my merch stand garen trusted me with the money i gave him all the money back last october i get to go and stay at his house Mm -hmm. for three days and he lets me into his home i slept in his studio um three years ago i would never have dreamt that we'd maybe even exchange more than two or three emails and i'd see him at an event so it's not to say that you do it for that because I never expected it, but you know, I've got a friendship with Aaron that I never thought I'd have. And I appreciate that. I appreciate his time. I respect his time and and his work ethic. And that's what you have to do. You have to respect people's time and life. And again, it's not always, what can I get from this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause he gets that a lot. I'm sure. You know, Oh, he just, it's just, I said, Lee's guys, um, his girlfriend Lee's is the, the, the power behind the man 
And I said to her, how do you just cope with trying to get from A to B uh, anywhere to, to be on time for anything? And she just kind of accepts it that that's Aaron's world. But I, um, yeah, you know, she, Lee's there, but Aaron's getting all the attention. But I've got a really good friendship with Lee now, and she's really lovely. And I actually sorted out all my old albums, and I sent her every single, cause she loves Prince. I sent her every single Prince vinyl album that I had and all the oh, singles wow. to her and th- to both of them just as a you don't know how much you've done for me mm. but you you have and I appreciate it and I couldn't think of a better house for these mm, albums to live, to live and be enjoyed because you got me a job Aaron, Aaron Draplin doesn't know it but he got me a job he got me the best job I've ever had at Astute Graphics so tell them real quick what your job is at Astute. We've gone okay. super long. So okay, just sorry, in yeah. case people don't know what Astute is, um, they make some amazing, um, I guess it's a plug-in. We call it a plug-in. It's, um, a plug-in comes with a bit of a, some people think plug-ins are gimmicky, but the difference between us and what other people do is other people create scripts for Illustrator. We create a plug-in that when you install Astute Graphics, it becomes part of Adobe Illustrator. So And it makes pan- it so much better that oh. Von Glitchka is like, why hasn't Adobe done what Astute has yeah. done, right? This, I mean, and he says this a lot, and there are a lot of things. There's not just a few things that Astute has done. Astute has done a lot of great things. So tell him what you do, and how did you get this job? Because you're it's like a training manager, right? Yeah. So I went to my first, a bit like Photoshop World, I went to my first Adobe Max in 2016. Um, uh, that was because I'd arranged for Aaron to come to London. So I thought I'll go to Adobe Max. So I was lucky enough to get a TA gig for it. Um, I wanted to go and meet Aaron and let him meet me before he came to London. So he had an idea of who I was and, and that worked out. We spent some time together, but I also saw one of the speakers, one of the classes at Adobe Max was run by Stu Graphics and I'd already contacted them previously to put them in touch with another company to see if they could I didn't know him, but I thought, oh, this company and this company could do something really cool together. It never came off. Right. So when I saw that Astute were going to be there, I emailed Camilla, their marketing manager, and said, hi, it's David. I don't know if you remember me. I tried to set you up with this thing. Um, you're, going to be, you're going to be at Adobe Max. I'd love to meet you all because it'd be cool. You know, you're from England. I'm from England. Let's stick together. <laughs> and it turned out that um, they said, yeah, cool fine yeah, let's do that and then through a mutual friend jesus ramirez who is uh, he runs the photoshop training channel um fantastic photoshop instructor he says oh i know their american teacher sebastian bleak who is also a really talented illustrator um let's organize breakfast so we, we go to breakfast i meet nick and camilla and sebastian and there's jesus and i was telling nick the story about aaron draplin and he hadn't heard that my story he heard a different story mm-hmm. from adobe which was they did all the work so i i showed him the emails to prove it i went no look here's aaron replying to me and here's me emailing adobe and he had a thing in his head i i need him i need the, i like the cut of his jib i like what he does i like the way he conducts himself so when we left Adobe Max and Aaron did the event in London, Nick came down and he brought some staff with him to meet me. And unbeknown to me, that was him asking them, do they accept me if, if Nick offered me a job? And if they said no, I was never going to get the job offer. 
So we went to dinner. There was Aaron. There was the whole astute team, a couple of other designers did the event. I came home, never thought anything of it. I was in a job at the time. I, my least a job I, d- I didn't enjoy company I didn't enjoy working for I wasn't particularly happy and out of the blue Nick said to me I- I'd love I love the time I spent with you I love what you did I love the, the your connection you're like what well, he jokes I'm one degree away from everybody <laughs> yeah. the most it's random degrees it's the one yeah it's like the most degree. random companies we deal with and i go oh yeah i used to work for the guy that formed that company and he knows so and so his wife worked there and i know her and so nick always jokes that i know everybody and um he out the blue he just messaged me and said i've come up with this role i need a training manager you've got that background i know you're a graphic designer but you know the industry i'd like to offer you a job and i had some chats agreed two days in the office, three days at home, and I became their training manager, so I'm responsible for the training. So Astute Graphics, for anyone who doesn't know, if you use Adobe Illustrator only, uh, not Affinity, um, if you use Adobe Illustrator, there's a lot of things. Ask yourself three questions. What do you love about Illustrator? What do you hate about Illustrator? And what do you wish Illustrator could do? Hmm. The answers to question two and three are Astute Graphics. So anything that is missing or you hate about Illustrator, we've got we so make like, illustrator better so give an example because so andre's from portugal he's an yeah. illustrator he did not know uh, he said he's going to take a look so what would you tell him so he's somebody who does he inks by hand he's yeah. does panels he's does he does a lot of he does digital illustration as well but yeah what would you what would you tell him to look up Okay, so the tool that I tell everybody, which is like every every graphic designer should have two things on their table, the obligatory cup of coffee that they can photograph and put on Instagram, and <laughs> a product we do called Vector First Aid. The reason why I say Vector First Aid is because the, when I joined Astute, this, this product came out the week I joined, and I had to do the voiceover for the video. It was my first job. And when I saw what Vector First Aid could do, I turned to Nick and I said, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And he laughed and said, why? I said, because where was this tool when I spent hours and hours and hours fixing stuff and this tool does it. So like what, what would you to give spend an example, hours fixing? Every illustrator user gets fi- will get a file from somebody else and it will be a PDF and that PDF they have to open in illustrator and it will have images. It will have a headline. It will have text they open it up in Illustrator and the first thing you'll see is all the text is broken into little pieces. Oh, so it's no yes. longer a paragraph, right? But the images, any images and shapes are now broken. Um, sometimes the curves get broken into segments or something's got a million points like a drive-by yes. shooting. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also go over to the layers panel and suddenly you've now got a hundred clipping masks. Oh. Okay. So, how long is that going to take to clean that up? Long right. Time. Firstly, you've got to copy all that text and put it all back together. Then you've got to somehow fix. You probably can't even fix those points because there's so many. You, you have to just draw stuff. over it again. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Create a new shape. Or, and the third thing is how do you delete all those clipping masks? So what you do is you get vector first aid, which I think is about $29 or $30. And you get your PDF open and you click a button that says check document. It will give you a list of things that are wrong with it. You click fix all. It gets rid of all the clipping paths, all the clipping masks. It gets rid of all the points the artwork doesn't need. 
it turns any broken curves and paths back into a single shape. Does it turn that, tight back into tight? Right. So the second thing is you then select the type and you go over to the little button on Vector First Aid and you click it once and it turns all the type back into a paragraph. <laughs> now, and now in version two, if you've got, say, a headline, out, someone's outlined the text. So I had this the other day. There's a company called HG Creative in Essex, and I was having a chat with their owner, Phil, and he was saying that quite often his intern turns all the type into outline text and then saves it, and then they've never got the live text version. So when they open it up, all they've got is outline text. So what we added in version two, Effective First Aid, is if you select the text, as long as the font is on your system, because you're opening right. something you created, you click a button and it will turn all the outline text back to the font you used in the original document. And that um, otherwise is not something that was available. If you did it, so I always would save an AI file yeah. with the font not, so that I could still always go back and find what font it was because sometimes yeah. that's what happens too. But with yeah. younger designers or when you're, I would think this would be like so killer for like somebody who's working on a magazine because you're getting all these ads or you're getting things coming in from other yeah. places that are always messed up and now you have to fix it or they want to change the type, but it's not editable. Yeah. So all these things. So, so Andre was like, damn. So I think you've <laughs> sold him. Yeah, but there's Just lots on, of other things like this, right? Yeah, we've got we've got um, we've got a tool that makes the pen tool better. We've got a tool that gives you more dynamic shapes when you're creating shapes. We've got um, a tool that's like a replacement for the pencil tool, and it and it kind of works like the path. Um, oh, what's it called? The one where you put shapes together and then you can knock them. Pathfinder. Not, Pathfinder, not Shape Builder. Shape Builder. Um, okay. We've got a thing that applies textures. We've got a, a product that in Photoshop, you've got hue, hue saturation lightness. You can change the colors, color shift, mm -hmm. but you can't in Illustrator. If somebody says, I want, I want those blues to be lighter or I want those blues to be purple, you have to go in and do the whole global color. With Phantasm, you can use the sliders and it's a live appearance. So you can now start adjusting the colors to see what it would look like, but the underlying color stays true. If you want to apply halftones to your artwork, you normally bring in a halftone pattern that you could get from maybe Retro Supply. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what Phantasm gives you is not only can you create a vector halftone pattern and on a gradient and any color, but you can create any symbol in illustrator drop it in the symbols panel and now your halftone pattern can be your logo oh that's really cool so i could go on we've got so a ton Andre's of stuff. saying he loves halftones he says that's cool so so one of the things is that it's made uh, that von loves von glitchka loves that it's just made his process it's it works faster so what illustrator yeah. it it has sped up a process that maybe took illustrator a little bit longer to process or to use as a user. Now it just, it's sped it up either as the user or just like a clicking a button and it yeah. does it for you. Right. It just, it just gives some of the native tools a bit of um, a bit of a boost. Um, like just a simple thing, rounded corners, dynamic corners. So Adobe introduced it a couple of years ago. So if you draw a square or a shape and you, and you get those control points. So like you drag the first one in, um, but you don't know how many pixels you drag that in and right. unless you go and look. And when you go to do the second one, you've got to kind of, okay, that was four pixels. So I do that one. Or you can select a couple. But with our one, you create the 
create your dynamic um, curve on the first shape, the tool now remembers oh. that diameter. And then you go around and click all the other points and it will do it all exactly the same diameter that you'd set on the first one. So it's kind of, you can spend, you can spend time. So the tools are about workflow, about speeding it up, the pen vector scribe is better than the pen tool. Ink scribe is better than the pencil tool. Um, Phantasm is better for half tones, vector first aid and, and smart, smart removal you can put if you sketch just say you sketch a lot and you import it into illustrator and you want to carry on working with it when you do a live trace it's just like a massive blue dots like look it's right like a solar system which makes it How, so slow right yeah so you go into the panel and it will say twenty thousand points <laughs> run vector run vector first aid it will turn it down to about 100 it will t- it just knows mathematically where to remove them and then you can say actually do you know what and the ones that are left, can you put them all on the tangencies for me without changing the artwork? So it's time-saving, time-saving stuff. It's, it's things. And every time somebody goes on Twitter and says, why don't Adobe just buy you and put all this in Illustrator? I just have to respond with, and then I'll be out of a job. okay so we have three minutes because i have somebody coming to my office in three minutes so i want you to tell them the tip that you told scott kelby that is also in your book because your book is 200 pages or something right uh 250 should be about 250 pages it's called how do i do that in indesign okay and each page is a different that's um, lightroom and photoshop scott kelby's title so every page in the book is um it's a single tip so there'll be uh, a description and an image that would just say, how do I do this one thing? This is how you get there. So, okay, the t- so tell, tell them what the thing okay. you told Scott Gilt. Well, so Gilt. in the chat room, hands up is two. Hands up who uses InDesign. Okay, I want to see it go, because I love InDesign more than all the other ones. And I do uh, definitely. It's my favorite child. And you, Okay, so Andre's saying that Josh Ash says me, Amy says me. Um, Carly said, I need that book because I use it and I'm horrible at it. Bear says, yes. Uh, Naomi, Abdallah, uh, everybody's saying yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Everybody sit down. I'm going to tell you something, hopefully that you're going to go, you are joking. The first one is when you create a text box in InDesign and you put some type in the text box, the text frame is bigger than the type. So the first tip, which I told Scott Kelby at Photoshop world is if you just, uh, if you look at the frame, there's um, little squares in the corners and then you've got the center point ones. If you just double click on the bottom of a text frame, it will snap to the text. And I, as I was telling Scott that saying, I'm going to start with this easy tip. Scott looked at me and went, I didn't know InDesign did that. And I've been using it since the very beginning. So I changed the name of that tip to the text tip that Scott Kelby didn't know that I taught him. But the second one, and this is the one, if you don't know about it, when you start, you draw a text frame on your page and you start typing or you input some text and the te- there's more text than there is frame. So what happens is there's an overflow. So you get the little red cross. So you adjust the text frame and then maybe you add some more text and then maybe you have to adjust it again. What if the text frame just kept resizing with your type as you typed? Would be brilliant. And InDesign does do that. Now, Which I I'm did gonna, not know that either. I'm going to have to quickly go into InDesign. <laughs> there says oh, what? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> Wait, I'm so gonna share, show, can you share your screen and just show us? Uh, 
or no I if you could, don't. I could, but I've got stuff. Okay, the- no worries. <laughs> okay, so what you need to do is now do this before. So do this before you even open the document. Otherwise, right. you've got to do it every time. So before you've got any documents open, do this because this makes it a default setting. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go up to Object, and you're going to go to Text Frame Options, and you'll get. Um, a dialogue come up and at the top there's four tabs general baseline options auto size and footnotes click on auto size it'll say auto size in drop down box do height only there's other options but just do height only and H-I-G-H? then there's a, yeah h e h e i g h t oh height height okay. sorry it's your only. accent sorry yep yeah. so text <laughs> object text frame options go to the third tab auto size go into auto size in and choose height only you can do width but i i prefer height Mm -hmm. then there's a little box underneath what you want it to do is you want the text to always be at the top of the text frame and work down so just click the top middle um of the little uh, there's like nine icons so imagine it's like one two three four five six uh yeah it's a grid click the top middle one okay and then click okay and then from then on in, when you create a type box, as you carry on typing, the type box will grow with the text. And you can you can give it a limit. You can tell it to to um, Bear go said, so far. So Andre said, "This is." I think Naomi knew this trick. Um, yeah. Andre said, "This is awesome." And Bear says, "I've been using InDesign since 1.0. Did not know." And then um, E E Verb. I don't know what your name is. Ever Har. Uh, you said mind blown and Naomi says if you don't want it to to be the default yeah. you can right click the box and it'll do it for a single text box yeah. instead. Yeah. Amy said yes mind blowing so this book is is full of it I pre-ordered mine already so maybe you guys oh. and Alan said Dave is a genius so I already put in this um and it's on Amazon and this is uh, Dave's Amazon link. So check it out there. And if you're listening, you're going to have to go. And I, I wrote down these instructions. So yeah. it, it'll be in the show notes. So if you're listening, I know. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening for a long time. But I, there's some things that you have to know about Dave and Dave, we have to do a part two. I'm okay. going to have to commit to it, but here's some things that you need to know about Dave. Here's a way for you to find him is his podcast. He shoots he draws and that's shoots as a s shoots yeah he shoots glenn's the photographer so he shoots i'm a designer he draws so he shoots and draws and then his kelby uh dave's kelby one course or classes link is members.kelby1 sorry i'm trying to copy and paste at the same time kelby1.com slash author slash d clayton and then yeah. Photoshop user magazine. I'm going to share the link here. That's to yeah. be a member or no, no, it's not to be a member. It's just magazine. I'm yeah. You have to be, you need, you need to be a member, but it's like nine, $9.99 a month and you can get the magazine and select classes. If you pay $20 a month, you get everything like all the magazines and all the classes. So yeah, it's well worth it. So I've got InDesign classes and Photoshop for designer classes and then every month I write an article for Photoshop user magazine called Photoshop for designers. So yeah. Okay. And, then so, I t- and so I'll be this, teaching at Photoshop world. And when does this book come out? Cause this is book book by out. Rocky Nor Rocky Nook. Rocky Nook. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Uh, it comes out in June. Um, I'm after this podcast, I'm be writing again. I'm writing every night at the moment, trying to just get it finished. So it should be finished next week. It should be released at Photoshop World in June, but it's it's due around May, May June time. Um, it's my first book. It might be my only book. You get a mention in there. This, uh, do you know my acknowledgements? I said to the guys, it's a 250-page book, of which 200 of them are my not my acknowledgements. <laughs> the secret no. being. The more people you acknowledge, they'll all buy a copy because they're in it. <laughs> That's true. That's I've already bought mine, but it had nothing to do with the acknowledgement. I just knew from that. You taught me something when we were just on our little test. Okay, so um, yeah. uh, Naomi said, where are all these links going to be? They will be, but if you want them today, they are already out there today. So if you go to yeah. rechargingyou.com slash 285 you'll be able to get to this episode and all these links are already there just in case yeah. you mess miss something but i want to make sure you do have astute graphics that's a-s-t-u-t-e graphics g-r-a-p-h-i-c-s.com um the book cover designs he's done for glenn and for alan yeah. hess alan um, hess it's a new there one you go. glenn i designed so this is funny it's a photoshop book and i designed the cover in illustrator and in design so i love that <laughs> And then I did that one photograph like a thief, which is also looking up. This one, just quickly before we go, this was Glenn's first ever book. And I remember sitting with him. We met the guys from Rocky Nook who were then at Peach Pit. They were the marketing and uh, guys at Peach Pit uh, that did all the Adobe books. And this was Glenn's first book. But we'll cover this in part two, my modeling career, which you saw the images the other day. <laughs> they were there was awesome. one. There was one image that really kicked it off, and I ended up being on the front cover of two magazines as well. But as a, unbeknown to Glenn, I spoke to Peach Pit. The guys were at Peach Pit. And just as his Christmas present for him, which he had no, no clue, is they sent me a copy of the book straight off the press without a cover. <gasps> and Glenn wasn't going to get the book yet, so they sent it to me. I designed <laughs> a different cover with the image that was the photo that we first did together. And I got it bound by a book publisher in the UK. And then I sent it to him for his Christmas. There's two copies, one for me and one for Glenn. And I sent it to him and he had no idea. And I said, have you had a package turn up today? And he went, yeah, I think so. And took it in. I went, go and open it. So he went, oh, all right then. He got, and then next minute he's like, oh my God. And he had the first copy of his first book. And I, I made the cover that was just for us. So yeah, they're the ones I've all designed. So that's kind of the work that I do. I've, I've not been a graphic designer for nearly two years now. It's quite weird. You know, it's a day job. But isn't it, isn't it great that you actually are, my, my person's here. I got to go. But yeah. it, to me, it's great that you, because for me, Dave, I don't know if this is how you felt, but for many years I felt like, mm, I just don't know if I'm doing what I was meant to be doing. I think I'm a good designer. Um, I help a lot of businesses. I, I, I love doing that, but I didn't know if this was really, you know, I didn't really feel like all my, um, my strengths were being, yeah. there, it, I sort of felt a little awkward cause I wasn't the wallflower. I, but I wasn't like, look at me, look at me. I want to yeah. be a helper. So it, it, it feels really good to have, um, astute graphics, know what you can do and who you are able to who oh, are able to be it's the perfect job it is absolutely hands down 
I've fallen into the perfect job at the right time of my life in an environment that is just perfectly, the temperature's right. It's like we've found a planet that can take life. And that's kind of how I feel about this job. It's everything came together at the same time. And then just to finish off today, I had to email someone to ask them a question about Astute Graphics. And I got a reply straight away and it was Charles Anderson. Oh. Who I met at Adobe Max just for a book signing he was on his own with his son sam anderson who's a very talented designer and i went up to him and said charles i just want to meet you before loads of people turn up i'm a huge fan of your work could you sign my book for me please <laughs> and he's he signed it and then he wrote his name underneath it in capitals so that i could so i'd know what the signature was which <laughs> he sold me he had me that i was like um how awesome is that so i've got this book signed by him and i had a really good chat with him and and his son Sam and, and his team and today I had to email him about like reintroducing for, for Astute Graphics and he replied and said of course I remember you that what when that's my job mm. that's just like I left and thought yeah one it's like you found your place and it's like you are being yeah. used exactly and it's using all those superpowers yeah I'm training manager come community manager that's how I see it as I love it I you know I want to thank every single person that's been kind to me that comes up to me at events that loves astute graphics that takes time you know I'm now Dave from astute graphics because you always come with something I I used to be Glynn's friend and it was like David (laughs) Glynn or or Kelby like Kelby I was NAP member or Kelby evangelist now I'm Dave from astute graphics and and that doesn't put people off they don't feel like they're being sold to or like but you're being helpful And that's a a great thing about Astute. It's really such a helpful, helpful tool. Yeah. And so it's a perfect fit for you. And we've got some great customers. Aaron Draplin's one of them. I'm just so blessed that that I've got the job that makes me happy, that, you know, it gives me the opportunity. They're blessed to have you. Uh, And Nick lets me do these other things as well. You know, Nick's a great boss. The the whole team, Nick, Camilla, Lorna, Dan, Irina, all of them. There's only 12 of us at the whole company. There's wow. only 12 of us at Astute Graphics. We've been going for 12 years. So wow. Nick believes in me. He knows how important my community is. And he he just trusts me to to go and reach out and, and get the right people in. And we've had an amazing year. We were Our badge was up on stage at Adobe Max this year. <sighs> That's awesome. And not because of Illustrator, because we created a plugin for XD. <laughs> oh, no way. That's yeah. cool. But All yeah, right, Dave. I'm going to be continued. I know we're going to have to do a part two because we got through. I have so many. Uh... I, I've got a ton of notes on my screen <laughs> to talk about. But I didn't. Um, we didn't get to. We got no. to maybe three questions, so okay. we'll have to get the rest done. But hopefully, it gives some of you guys um, some tips about how to use maybe encouragement to really yeah. reach out and and help some yeah. people more so and- than just trying to get. And get a referral. Sometimes the most powerful thing is is to behave like that, that you get referred to someone. I can, um, Dustin was asking about, and Ian Barnard was, how, how do you meet these people? Sometimes the nice thing is you'll introduce me to someone and I watched you do it at Creative South like a, like a beast. You were just <laughs> like, you and you, you need to talk and you, you need to go and help that person. And you were like coordinating friendships and it was great to watch. And and that's sometimes that's what you do. Equally important. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's what we, we direct traffic. We we're tra- are. We're friend traffic controllers. 
That's good. That's a that's a good way to be. But Dave, I could talk to you forever. We'll just I'll get Thank us you. some things for the for creative yeah. staff this year. Um, I'll get another date scheduled and we'll get you back and just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. You can always uh, support the show by liking us and uh, giving us a great review on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can go to um, Patreon slash or patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs and support the show that way. There's also three quick uh, links that you can do a bit.ly bit.ly slash Diane loves Divi. I love the Divi theme to create websites and I use the Divi theme and then I, and I've used other themes. I'm actually teaching my kids how to use a free theme. Um, but I don't love it as much as the Divi. I really love the Divi and that's why the things Diane's love, Diane loves Divi, but Elementor is the thing that I've been using to create it. And Elementor has really changed the way I've, and I know I've told you this, and this is the only way I kind of do any and these are all affiliate links so I get a tiny piece yeah. of the pie um, but the Elementor plugin is bit.ly slash dr Elementor drs for design recharge my husband says doctor doctor yeah. I was like uh, it's design recharge and anyway but it's dr Elementor and then the last one is I am a huge podcast listener as well but I also listen to a lot of books. I won't be listening to um, Dave's book like this. I will actually look at Dave's book because it has great screenshots. So we'll need to make sure we do this, but I love Amazon and I'm an audible user and I pay 1495 and I get one book a month and I listen to more than one book a month probably, but it's bit.ly slash design recharge. And if you, with that link, you can get two free books if you sign up. So I think that's a a win-win. That's it. So guys, we'll see you next week. I can't wait to have you, to introduce you to my friend Jody, since she just really has a heart um, for others. Dave, thank you for kicking off design our love on designers. And please, please, guys, go out and energize somebody this week. So bring them a coffee, or um, just tell them something funny, or yeah. take, go on a walk, do something. Maybe just give them a little bit of encouragement. And this whole month, it's just about lifting other people up. So be that bottom cheerleader and lift other people up this week. Okay. Yeah. And I want to thank my mum and my dad and my wife and my kids. Thank you, because they made me the person I am and they allow me to be the person that I, I still am. So, and this one's for my dad. Mm. Your dad, I can't wait, because we have questions about your dad and your mom. So yeah. this will be in the part two. And I just want to tell you what Carly just said. She said, thanks, Diane, Dave, great interview. Now I'm off to look for squirrels and rainbows. <laughs> I love that. That's a great way to sign up, guys. Go look for those squirrels and rainbows. Squirrel!